Today we're finishing a long trek through the Gospel of Mark, and I hope that your soul has been fed and you've met Christ again and again and again and again, perhaps for the first time. Next week we're going to begin a, a summer uh, sermon series. It'll be six weeks. It's entitled Get in the Flow. I love that. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I look around the world scene today, there are many times I scratch my head and I think, God, are you at work? And maybe that's a question we all have. Do you ever wonder if God's really at work in all this? You ever wonder where God is? We're going to explore for six weeks all the different ways God's at work, and we're going to get in the flow with what God is doing. So it's our hope that you will be inspired and perhaps motivated, mobilized to be a part of what God's doing in the world today as we hear stories. We're going to look at the six great ends of the church with that. And then late August, we're going to start a fall series that will lead us right up to Advent, and we're going to piece life together as we study the book of Colossians. Does that sound good? So that's our game plan. Game plan? That's our game plan that will lead us up to the Advent season. All right, let's take a look at our text this morning. Mark chapter 15, if you have your Bibles or if you have your uh, app on your phone, either one of those works for me. Mark chapter 15, verses 21 to 39. If you recall, the title of this, this uh, series has been Mark's Open Secret. And it's kind of a secret because more people don't know what it is, what's happening than do. And the very first line in Mark's gospel says this, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. This is just the beginning. Even when we get to the end of Mark's gospel, it's still just the beginning. I like that. Because it's still going on. It's being carried out uh, through all of us and through each of us. And by the way, hi guys. How's it going? That looks comfy. Those are the big comfy couch. Things. So we asked the kids to stay in here because this morning we're going to do something different and I wanted them to be a part of this with you and you're going to do something different also and you don't know about it yet but hang in there, okay? It'll be fun. All right, Mark chapter 15, beginning at verse 21. This is <laughs> the crucifixion narrative. There's like wind in here today, I don't know. A certain man from Cyrene... Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Some of you were there about a year ago. When they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it, and then they crucified him, they divided up his clothing. They cast lots to see what each person would get. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read this, The king of the Jews. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right hand and one on his left hand. And those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, they mocked him among themselves.
They elbowed each other. He saved others, they said, but he can't even save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. And those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And in the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling out to Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, and put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus finally breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two. You've got to love this, the drama of it. From top to bottom. And when the centurion, a Roman, who stood there in front of Jesus, heard his cry and saw how he had died, he said, and my friends, this is why Mark wrote his gospel. You ready? Surely this man was the Son of God. The reading of God's Word. Thanks be to God. Let's, let's pray together and take a look at this text. A lot of words being prattled on in public today, God, about all kinds of things. Politics, personal preference, clothing styles, music, even religion. Endless, ceaseless prattle. Noisemakers coming from voice boxes and keyboards and QWERTY boards. And unfortunately, we know the whole story, so perhaps for even us in this church this day, familiarity may have bred a little bit of contempt. Holy Spirit of God that's blowing in this place, allow us to set that all aside and learn to say again for the very first time with the centurion that surely this man was the Son of God. Surely he is the Son of God and no one else. And may it meet each and every single one of us and all of us exactly where we need to be met and inspire and transform and mobilize and commission and recommission and send out. And may it be so, because our past, after all, is for learning purposes only. Grace, mercy, and peace to all my friends. In the strong name of the man who is the Son of God, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hi. Well, he's been called a wise teacher, right? He's been called a prophet. He's been called just a 
a sage, which is a big person word. You know what sage means, you guys? You know what a sage is? Your father told me to tell you that his father, your father is a sage, a wise man. Yeah, there you go. Put the thumb up. Put the thumb up. A sage, a religious teacher. But Messiah, Savior, Son of God, God incarnate, ah, really, I'm not sure. We're pretty smart people these days. And even for church-going folk, I have to confess, we still pick and choose what we want to believe. Which kind of blows my mind because here we are, if we go back to the story, a Roman centurion, someone not a part of the crowd, has enough wherewithal in the moment to say, surely this man was the Son of God? Surely this man was the Son of God. And we as a congregation, all of us, have spent an incredible amount of time trying to understand who Jesus is. So I'm going to ask for audience participation a lot this morning, and we're just going to get started with a simple question. What have we learned about Jesus that tells us who he is? <laughs> He's what? He, he performs miracles and what kind of miracles? He what? He feeds. He turns bread into food and fish into more fish. He feeds people, right? He heals. What else? Can't hear it. I'm getting old. Whatever was just said. Raise the dead. Thank you very much. No small miracle. What else do we know? Does he have power over nature? In ways that, you know, the smartest of the smartest of us are like, uh. But what does he do? He can walk on water. He can calm the sea. He can bring his bonehead friend Peter out of the boat where it's actually safer and get him to walk towards him, right? Again, no small feet. Did you get that pun, by the way? Thank you very much. What else do we know about Jesus through the reading of the whole gospel? He was raised, yeah, he's raised from the dead. He rose from the dead, people. It's a pretty long list, isn't it? All these are evidences about who Jesus Christ actually is. But in Mark's gospel, the question is still open. The question has not yet been answered. Who is Jesus Christ? We read the whole gospel all the way through until this dramatic moment when it wasn't a churchgoer. It wasn't somebody in the Sunday school program. It wasn't somebody, and I love you, who grew up in this place. It was somebody who was an outsider standing guard to make sure nothing went wrong. That guy said, surely this man is the Son of God. So as we review this story today, surely, surely there are four, at least four truths we all need to know about to surrender to, and I mean surrender to it, to love and to live into and to lean into, all right? So I'm going to teach you some hand motions, and uh, 
I'm going to tell you why I'm going to do this this morning. I've never done this with big people. This has always been my go-to talk when I speak with student children. All right? And the last time I did this with the kids in here, I thought, why have I never done this with adults? This should be done with adults because if there's anything we should never forget, it's these next four truths that I'm going to teach you with hand motions. <laughs> Are you pumped? You need, to, you need to limber up a little bit, loosen up, do one of the, you know, kind of thing. You know, I don't want anybody pulling a muscle. You don't want me pulling a muscle, workman's comp case, you know, things like that. Right? Four truths that come out of Mark's gospel, and in particular this text, that every single one of us need to remember because surely this man was and is the Son of God. You ready? Truth number one. You don't have to do what I do yet. I'm going to show it to you. God knows. Remember this, you guys? You do, don't you? God. You want to do it with me? God knows me. God knows me. All right, your turn. Ready? God knows me. Not bad. Not bad. After one cup of coffee, perhaps. Dawn knows every single thing. Did I say Dawn knows? That's totally true, by the way. Wow. I absolutely have nothing. <laughs> Let me start again. It's funny because like Don's name is right under God's name in my notes right here. God knows every single thing there is to know about us. God does. When we were in Seattle, Dawn came home from work one day and she mentioned that she was having a conversation with a nurse friend of hers that was a few years older. And her nurse friend was lamenting, really. Kids had grown up, family had moved on. And Dawn's nurse friend said, you know, I feel like the older I get, the more invisible I become. And we talked a little bit about that. Because the truth of the gospel of God in Jesus Christ is that there are never, ever, ever invisible people. Young. Not so young. Very wise. There's just, you got, there's just no invisible people. And theologians, we call this a big word, you guys, over here. Do you know what omniscience means? Omni. You know what omni means? It means like all. It's like all around all. And science. All, omni, all science. God knows everything there is to know about everything. Isn't that pretty crazy? That means God knows what you're thinking about right now. That means God knows what you just threw at your brother <laughs> that I actually saw and you know about and no one else did. 
God knows everything there is to know about us. God knows when we laugh, when we're scared, when we cry, when we're hurt, when we're broken, when we're sad. God knows every single thing there is to know about us. There's never such a person as an invisible human being. That's gospel. That's Mark. There's never a time when you can pull the cover over God's eyes. And that's extremely comforting and terrifying. Because God walks with us in our pain and in our disappointments, in our failures, in our successes, in our joys, in our happiness, in all the cool things of life and all the difficult things of life. God knows us. He walks there with us all the time. He knows when we feel lonely. He knows when we're so lonely and discouraged we're considering about Removing ourselves from the human race. I had to edit that because the kids are here. He knows those that struggle with addiction or a recurring sin or a regret or a secret sin, big or small. He knows when we, when we feel loss or grieve, when we feel like a failure, when we feel we're too poor. And for some of us, we've got more money that we can, than we can handle well. God just knows all of that stuff. That's why this truth is so important to understanding. Surely this man was the Son of God. So that's the first truth I want to I leave us with today. Can we do it together again? Because it's really fun for me to watch you guys do something. Ready? God knows me. Now, it's not literally, no, God doesn't literally knows you. It's the metaphor. Come on. Second truth. The second truth is God loves us. God loves us. Do you remember this one? You want to help me do it? Come on up, man. Ladies and gentlemen. This is why I, this, is, this right here is why we're doing this today. He hasn't forgotten about it. Ready? Let's do the first two together. Ready? God knows me. God loves me. Thank you very much. I'm going to bring you back up on the stage later. God loves us. You see, in the, in the midst of all that knowing, in the midst of all that knowing, there's still this unconditional love that God has for every single one of us, including you guys. God's a God who seeks and saves every single one of us. God meets us in the lowest of places and carries us forward. God meets us in the highest realm of success and oftentimes humbles us and brings us down to reality. God loves us. I read a quote earlier this week and I thought of my wife. This seems to be a wife week for me. 
and I don't remember the exact context, but it was about someone eulogizing another person. And the quote went something like this. The deceased seemed to know that God really liked him. And I thought, wow, that's, a, that's like my wife. If there's anybody in my own life, would you say this is true? Yeah, right? My, my wife just goes through life because she seems to really know and believe that God likes her. And not only that, that God absolutely loves her. And how many of us can say that? But yet that's the profound reality of this Markan text. That it doesn't matter how much God knows about us, God still likes everything we post on our Facebook page. And honestly, I've seen some of it, and it's not worth liking. <laughs> but that's just the way God is. God is a God that's for people. God is on behalf of people. It's an absolutely amazing God, and it's a God that always flies in and catches us off guard, slant. And it doesn't matter what we've done. And friends, we've all done stuff. Right? Okay, so that's truth two. Do you think you remember the first two with me? All right, let's review. God knows me. God, give yourself a hug, loves me. Truth number three. This one's going to get really tricky. I hope you're up for it. You ready? You don't remember? Come on, man. God died, this is the sign of the cross, for me. I think some of you need a review. God died for me. One more time. God died for me. God died for me. That's our text this morning. And the reason God died for you and me is because we throw books at our brothers. Isn't that a proud moment, by the way? It's just a proud moment. Yeah, you, you know what? You rock, man. I mean, he knows half the material, and he's, he's a Fabulous sermon illustration. <laughs> because we do. We do. Welcome to the human race. And yet God was so vulnerable in becoming a human being that he died on a cross. Really? This is either the absolute craziest story or it's, it's cosmologically true. Vulnerability doesn't come very easily, but when it comes, it brings new life. The pain of God and Jesus Christ being crucified on a cross unlocks a greater perspective. I want you to go into the pain of your life in the past or in the present and ask God's Spirit to meet you in that place because my guess is either right now or somewhere down the line, that pain will unlock some new, deeper, profound, spiritual perspective. I 
Peace of mind comes not from building on the future, but from resting in the holy present of God right now. And so God becomes a human being and dies for us. And even while he breathes his last breath, the text says, My God, my God, why did you forsake me? Because everything about what it means to be a human being, mostly suffering and pain, God absorbs into himself in Jesus Christ in that moment. And you are never, ever alone. You will never, ever be invisible. I'm haunted by that phrase. We're all seen through God's eyes. We're all swept up and carried through God's eyes. I honestly don't even think God sees us the way we see ourselves right now. God sees us as Christ carries us to the presence of God through the eyes of Christ, the way we were meant to be. That was pretty profound, I must say myself. And that's what this death on the cross teaches us. So review, first three. This is the last one. You don't even know, but you were there. Okay, the last one. God. Now, I, I'm into sports. Any, some people around here are into sports, right? And since it's baseball season, uh, if you went to a Dodger or an Angels game, please don't say your preference. If you went to a Dodger or an Angels game and you looked at the shortstop just before the pitcher was ready to pitch, what would that shortstop be doing? Would he be looking up in the stands? <laughs> you know, it's all these great, you know, our kids, right? I'll never forget, I'm coaching softball for my daughter for the first time. I look out and my shortstop's got her, and my pitcher's ready to pitch, the shortstop's got her glove on top of her head, she's counting bees in the air. This is like the worst thing that could possibly happen to a father who's coaching her daughter. No. That professional athlete would not have his glove on his head, just standing there checking out the stands. Oh, the peanut guy, man, I want some of those peanuts right now, right? No. He's going to be ready, and he's probably, and even this isn't going to work for pro athletes. This is still not a ready position. You're going to make a triangle, right? You're going to make a triangle because here's the triangle, glove, foot, foot. Am I right? Somebody tell me I'm wrong. It's because I'm right. Glove, foot, foot, and I'm ready to go. I got the weight on the balls of my feet, right? I'm ready. And that's what God wants from us too. God, you're not going to be able to do this, but you can, you can imagine yourself getting ready. God wants us for his kingdom's sake. And we'll shorten it. God wants us. And this word us is a very important word because too often when we come to church, we think it's about me. My friends, check this out. This is gospel. It's not about you. It's about us. 
It's about all of us together. Um, my wife, I told you this was a wife morning. No, I didn't get in big trouble this week. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> the day's not over. She sent me, she gave me a card last week. It says, uh, I love being us with you. Floored me. Absolutely floored me. I love being us with you. And then opening, happy Father's Day. And then, well, I'm not, I can't read the rest. That's just for me. But this word us, isn't that fabulous? Us. Yeah, right. Church, church is about us. It's about us. God wanting us as the hands and feet of Christ where, wherever we go. And it's a really big surrender to this us, to this story, to these four truths. But it will transform your life. It will make your life filled with meaning and purpose and significance. It'll give you a reason for being. It will confront you in your pain and loss and lament and dissatisfaction and propel all of us forward. But it truly is about the collective us. It's the establishment of a people of God on earth that commit and surrender to live this way. And yeah, we're going to make mistakes. And yeah, we're going to let people down. But these truths transcend all of that. This morning, Jesus doesn't want a portion of us. He doesn't want only the aspects of us that can commit to certain stories while we parcel out and leave the ones we're not quite sure about. Jesus doesn't want just five-sixths of you. Jesus wants all of us. It's a total and a complete surrender to these truths. That's what Mark is trying to talk about. That's what Mark has been trying to unfold for us. Because there isn't anything that someone can encounter in life where God in Christ, empowered by the Spirit, can't figure out a way to, to maneuver us through. Apparently that was a tongue twister for me. There isn't anything that gets left behind. So much so that when the gospel begins, who is this man? Mark concludes it with this dramatic Roman centurion statement. Surely this man was and is the Son of God. All right, friends, you've learned four truths this morning. Do you think you've learned them? Buddy, you want to come up and help me again? Yeah, he wasn't listening. <laughs> you can if you want. It's all good. You want to do it? Okay, I need help. I really need help. You got all four of these? All right, ready? God knows me. God loves me. God died for me. God wants me. Did you do it? Awesome. Give me five. All right, give me a hand. Awesome. Who is Jesus Christ? 
Surely this man is the Son of God. Surely these truths are something worth leaning into in life. If you've never heard these truths before, and today I say yes to these truths, would you do me a favor? I'm going to actually ask you, ask you to just bow your head. We're getting Baptist here for a minute. Would you bow your head? We're getting presbycostal, let's put it that way. This morning, I'm going to say yes to these four truths. Not 15 sixteenths of me. Not what I want to pick and choose. Not that I feel like it or don't feel like it. While I may only get a portion of it, and I may not understand the mystery of all of it, I will surrender to these truths for the first time. If that's your response, raise your hand. Wow. Thank you. For those of you who have heard this before and you've surrendered to this before, after being here with you for three years and we've worked a lot on a lot of different things, can we agree to hit the reset button and go forward centered in these four truths? If you're willing to resurrender and recommit to these four truths, will you raise your hand? Because the truth of the matter in the midst of all the uncertainty is this. Surely this man was the Son of God. All right. Amen. Let's do this, friends. Uh, I'm, let's do this one more time because I want to make sure that you don't forget any of these. Okay? I guarantee it's the silliest thing ever, but you're never going to forget it. That's why this is powerful. Ready? Now, here, time out. I'm not going to say everything about it, but you say it. That way I can hear that I know that you got it. Ready? 